like, if it's kind of cool and it's kind of different, NBC is absolutely putting it down the toilet (laughs) in the first 13 episodes. everyone this is alex and this is em welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is the podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary for much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today we'll be discussing NBC's spy drama, Undercovers. This series worked from the unique premise of a husband and wife catering duo, who had a colorful past as CIA agents and are called out of retirement to take on the big jobs that no one else is qualified for. Filled with intrigue, international jet-setting and crime-fighting, and ulterior motives, Undercovers was certainly very different from what one would expect from NBC. So what made the series so interesting? Stay tuned. everyone. So here's some details about Undercovers. The series is classified as an action and drama. For some reason, it's not classified as a spy thriller at all. Mistake number one. We'll talk about all the mistakes going forward. (laughs) (laughs) The series was created by J.J. Abrams and Josh Rimes. It was released from September 22nd of 2010 through December 29th of 2010 on the NBC network for a total of one season and 13 episodes. The series stars Gugum Bathara as Samantha Bloom. She is one of our protagonists, um, the wife of Stephen Bloom, and she is a former CIA agent. Boris Kojo as Stephen Bloom. He's our other protagonist. He's Samantha's husband, another former CIA agent. They are both currently owning and operating their catering business. Ben Schwartz as Bill Hoyt, a computer genius and a Steve Bloom fanboy, who is also a CIA agent and one, well, their right-hand man now that they're back out in the field. Makia Cox is Lizzie Gilliam. She is Samantha's sister. She is an employee at the Bloom's Catering Company, and she's also a recovering alcoholic. Carter McIntyre as Leo Nash. He is a top CIA agent and Samantha's ex-boyfriend. Gerald McRaney as Carlton Shaw. He is a CIA operative who re-recruits the Blooms. These are all of our major players for these 13 episodes. Let's jump right in to Undercovers. There were some hits, there were some misses. We're going to talk about it all. Yeah, so Undercovers. So Undercovers is one of, you know, by now, by the time Undercovers comes out, J.J. Abrams is like, already J.J. Abrams and you know he's already done Alias and all I think the that the big property that um he's famous for and so 
they're trying to, so Undercovers is trying to do, you know, like it's trying, I don't think it's trying to recreate the magic, but it's definitely trying to, it's definitely like in a J.J. Abrams's wheelhouse. There's action and adventure, but you know, it didn't work out because <laughs> it only lasted for 13 episodes. One season, y'all, that's all they got. So I'm going to talk about some of the mistakes. Number one, not classifying the show as a spy show. Yes, it's a drama. Yes, it's got some action, but it is first and foremost an espionage series, sir. Um, <laughs> the second mistake, putting a show like this with talent that looked that good on NBC. NBC is for the basics. I said what I said. <laughs> you know, that's interesting that you bring that up because that's what I thought about too when I was watching the show because I was like, well, I don't understand. I don't quite understand how all of this happened because we all know that NBC axes anything that's even kind of cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's their whole, that's NBC's whole deal. Like if it's kind of cool and it's kind of different, NBC is absolutely putting it down the toilet <laughs> in the first 13 episodes. Yeah. If it, if it's not a comedy or and it's not um, a family drama, like NBC doesn't understand it and they're not going to give you time to like figure it out, if that makes any sense. That's yes, it makes sense. And that's absolutely what it is. So you have these really, really hot couple who are just living their best lives, doing their little catering business. They have this interesting past. They don't have kids. They never really talk about having kids. They've been married for five years. They're black. Um, this is very different than what NBC is doing. I, it's, I'm struggling to think of an NBC show that had a black lead prior to Evil. Um, well, besides Undercovers, that is. Well, Evil was on CBS. Oh, never mind. So, yeah, I'm struggling. I'm still (laughs) struggling. (laughs) I remember the last NBC show with a black lead was that show that Megan Good was on. That show, too, only lasted... Uh, for like 13 episodes. Honestly, the premise was like kind of like shaky. They talked about how they wrote it for a white girl and you could tell that it was written for a white girl because the whole thing is, is like, so like her mom was like a maid for this rich white family and she's like their daughter and she's like the daughter. And now Mm -hmm. like the rich white family, like they're in like deep shit and she's trying to fuck like the white son of this rich white family. And I'm just like, oh my God, what's happening right now? Deception? Yes. Okay, I remember seeing the commercials for that, but I never watched it because I don't really mess with NBC like that. I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with undercovers, honestly. Like, nothing more wrong than what's generally wrong with shows. Like, they obviously try. Like, it's cute. The leads have great chemistry. But it's NBC. Right, it's NBC. That's the problem. And it's interesting, you know, watching the show, you're right. Like, there are problems with the show, but, like, they're the problems are nothing they're like your general season one problems there i think there's like a tone issue like and i get this feeling that the show doesn't quite know what it wants to be but that's that's every network season one show ever so mm-hmm. it it sucks that the nbc is like okay well i guess you didn't do well go home now I feel like NBC was definitely looking to to cancel this or, and you know, I'm not going to put it all on the network heads themselves. It's quite possible that their demographic, the people that watch uh, NBC the most, were not giving the show the views. Yeah, 
I think that's also very, very possible. I will say, like, this is a departure from, like, a lot of spy shows on at the time because tonally it's not as, like, intense or, I think, serious as, like, an alias or a Nikita at all. Like, it's definitely trying to be, like, funnier. It's trying to be, like, more easy breezy, which... I think Chuck had, which we'll talk about, which we're going to talk about next, had just gone off the air. And I think that's hard because, like, it gets a lot of compare. Like, even now, like, when people write about it, they talk about the show and and tonally what it was in comparison to Chuck. And it's hard because I don't think Undercovers is trying to be Chuck. I think Undercovers is trying to be, like, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, probably. Yeah, that's the energy I got, too. But, um... I don't like, but unfortunately, like, even though Boris Kojo and Gugu Mbatha are very like hot people, they don't actually have that energy with each other. Yeah, it's their energy they have in their relation. They have chemistry, but their relationship is very, very tender and loving and kind and very normal. Mr. and Mrs. Smith was just like electric sexual tension from start to finish. Right. And they don't have that, which is like, I think that's another part that sort of like, I don't know that it, I don't think it hurts the show, but I think it definitely makes it so that like you as a writer have to like switch whatever you thought you wanted in the show. And that never get happens like within the 13 um, episodes. But I think on another network, it would have happened in a second season. They would have been like, okay, so like, this is not Mr. and Mrs. Smith. This is like June. I don't know. I want to say June Cleaver, like, but I don't actually know that reference. Um, Damn, what's a good example? I'm really having a hard time thinking of one. Uh, (laughs) Like, a really hard time? Okay, that couple from A Walk to Remember. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes, that's it. (laughs) They were Jamie and Landon from A Walk to Remember, but, like, they were spies. Yeah. Here's my thing, and I don't have a problem with this, like you said, especially since, like, Boris Kojo is a married man. He's a happily married man. He can't be giving all this sexual energy to this woman. He's, she is a, she is his co-star. She is his colleague. Um, I don't have a problem with the show whatsoever, and I think that their relationship feels, in a way, very, very tangible and very relatable, even though they are CIA agents, right? right. But it's like we have not been programmed to see things this way. This is not the the relationship of Nikita on Nikita or the its predecessor, La Femme Nikita, or like you said, Alias. This is not a relationship that we see. It's every, it's like you said before, like it's not as tense as a lot of other spy shows all around. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's the kind of spy show that doesn't get my blood pressure up. I can just enjoy it. It's very relaxing. And maybe that was the show's downfall. Maybe. It's nice to see a couple that wasn't like, you know, bringing their inner turmoil into the streets. <laughs> right. And and it's interesting because when I was because when I'm watching Undercovers, I that did cross my mind. I was like, oh, this is like like a hap like a like the Americans, but like happy. Like that that's nice. Like that's a nice premise. Like I can get with that. That seems so fun. <laughs> cause like cause in the pilot episode, they are sort of like beyond their catering business, they are sort of having trouble like in their relationship. Just like, you know. I think the the normal requisite, like, bumps and, and hurdles in any, like, relationship or marriage. And, like, I was like, oh, okay, like, this is cool. Like, that could be, like, a cool focus. 
And, you know, their spy work and returning to spy work is, like, what helps mend them and bring them together. And, you know, it's them against the the bad guys. Like, yeah, like, I'm with it. I'm with it. I mean, were they having relationship issues? I thought they were just bored. I mean, isn't that... They not- looked really bored for me. <laughs> like, thought- they're like, damn, this is not giving what I thought it was going to give. <laughs> like, I not mean- bored with each other, but bored with, like, being caters, I mean. Oh, because, like, she talks about how, like, you don't, like, we don't really know each other. And, like, I feel like I don't know you sometimes. So, like, there's some, like, there was at least some, at least trust communication stuff. She says that, like, something to that effect in the pilot. I remember them saying that, like, oh, we promised we would never talk about our past with each other. Um, which is dumb. <laughs> right. I'm never, we're never going to talk about what we did when we were staying because they never did missions together. So this is what makes it interesting. They never went on missions together. They knew they were both in the CIA and they wanted to leave so they could focus on their marriage. But like, they both have like a real curiosity about what that person was other, what their partner's life was like when they were still in the field. And I guess this lets them live out the dream because they get back, they come back into the field as partners to each other and they get to see a whole different side of their, the other person, right? Like, mm-hmm. like a whole other side. We, and I, so I thought that premise was very, very cute. I messed with it. So in the pilot, Carlton comes to their catering business and he's like, listen, Leo Nash, who's like a top CIA agent, like he's one of the best in the field. He has gone missing. We don't know what's become of him. We need you to, he was about to have a meeting with an arms dealer. We need you to find him. And Leo is someone that they both worked with um, at one point, but he was also Samantha's ex-boyfriend, unbeknownst to her husband. Like, this guy came to their wedding and everything, and her husband still didn't know that they used to date. <laughs> Until just now. Right. Which was like, that's so much. <laughs> I feel like if you're going to invite someone to our wedding, I should know if that if y'all used to bump uglies. I feel like I should know that. Same. I would want to know. I'd be like, well, <laughs> you could at least tell me something. Like, give me a heads up. Like, don't have me out here looking stupid. But they they get together, and they decide they're going to rescue Leo. And they have, like, they have really cute, like, little couple tips because he's finding out that she's to date Leo. So now his jealousy is rising, and he thinks the worst of Leo. He thinks that Leo's turned. Leo's turned traitor. And he's selling, like, top-secret government information to these arms dealers because he's pressed, he's upset that this guy used to date his wife, right? Like, there's literally no real proof of this, but he thinks the worst of Leo. And they get in this field, and they get to see how the other person operates and how the other person, like, moves when, when they're doing mission. It's cute. It's fun. Like, it's very low stress. Not low engagement, but just, like, low stress, low tension, spy drama. I like it. And let's talk about mistake number four. So you guys know how I feel about pilots, This pilot did not live up to my standard, and there was one major reason for that. The very first character we're introduced to is not Samantha or Steven, Mm -hmm. but one of the supporting characters that doesn't even show up on all the episodes, Leo Nash. Right! No, you're so correct. the first six minutes on Leo Nash. (laughs) What the fuck? You know what? It's crazy. You're so right. You're so right. You're so right. Why the fuck am I spending six minutes with a character that is not the, the lead of the show? Like, why? why? 
Why? That's such did a y'all, bad... Did, did y'all put that white man out there to draw in your, <laughs> your target base? Like, that's so true. Because, like, you've set up... Now you've set up the audience, really, to, like, hate the leads. Because you're like, why am I watching these random Black people when you spent six minutes giving me the most interesting bit? And it's a great opening, too. Because it's like... I like I'm, it's a good opening because it's like Leo wakes up in this hotel room in Paris and he's running across um, rooftop buildings and doing a bunch of spy shit. And you're like, oh, what's like in, in your sort of, oh, my gosh, what's happening? And then they're like, oh, no, like it's these black people. <laughs> right. And this is the problem. <laughs> Like, so I actually wrote out a better opening in my head. (laughs) (laughs) And it goes a little something like this. Steven and Samantha are communicating with walkie-talkies. Steven, we're not going to make it. Yes, we're going to make it, Samantha. No, we're not going to make it. Yes, we're going to make it. We have to make it in time. They're depending on us. And then, you know, it's all very covert and nice spy music playing. And what happens? They show up at an event that they're catering on time. The food gets there on time and they save the day. They save the event. See, that is a good opening. <laughs> like that is, and you want to know like what would make that opening even better? Cause it's like, is if it's like, Steven's already there. Yeah. And it's her and she's in the car and she's driving the food there. And then you see like the car do like spy car maneuvers. Like, you know, like in right. Cause then, and then you're like, wait, what? And it gives that little like, oh, these people are different type of vibe. Right, exactly. And it gets us interested in these characters while also having that element of it under, like having an element of it there, like under of like, okay, they're, they're actually like doing something different. They're in disguise. Cause that's, yeah. And that would be cool. That would be cool. And then I would have been all set up. Right, and then we can go to this whole, oh, Leo's been, like, kidnapped thing. Or how we could even do the same opening with Steven. Um, and, you know, he wakes up, and it's a dream. Or he was daydreaming, and Samantha taps him on the shoulder, and he kind of, like, you know, sees his surroundings, and he's he's at their business. You know, and something's burning in the oven because he got lost in a daydream from when he was a CIA agent. There's so many ways you could have pulled us into them. But I'm like, by the time, like, the first three minutes have gone by, I'm completely invested in Leo Nash. Right. And that's a, and that's like a big, I mean, I feel like anybody would give you that note. Like, <laughs> I feel like any writer, like, would, would like, that probably would have been a big note of, like, why are you set? Why? Why have we gone six pages? Why am I six pages in and you're talk and you're not talking about your lead character? Right, and it's it's it, it's bothersome to me. It's troublesome to me. It doesn't sit right with me because the thing is, to Leo Nash character isn't like I said, he isn't even a supporting character. So you've pulled us into this character that we don't even see every episode, and- but I'm still thinking about him. <laughs> Right. And so then we so then when we finally get to like the core of the team, which is uh, which is Steven, Sam and uh, Hoyt and uh, Shaw. Right. As a unit, they're all really fun and fine, but it's just they're not at all what we what we we expect or or what the show has set up to 
has set us up to like. It's just hard. Yes, we didn't sign up for this. And the thing, too, is that now he has set the precedent of what a great agent looks like. Because when he leaves that hotel room in the beginning and like, you know, he's he's like jumping from balcony to balcony and he's scaling the rafters and he's breaking into another room and all of this stuff like it's great and it's action packed. So we are subconsciously going to be comparing Stephen and Samantha through that to that th- for the duration. And there's so, only yeah. two ways they could have saved this. Um, you know, the basically the rendering of Steven and Samantha is boring. Change our pilot for sure. For sure. And kind of rebrand the show as an action romance. Yeah, I I think a, I mean definitely. I think that an action romance is particularly in a show that in a show where the tone is this breezy, you I think you have it has to be like there has to be a strong romantic element to it. So let's talk about Boris Kojo and, and Gugu Mbothra for a minute. Gugu Mbothra is like a really great actress. Like she's definitely one of the go-to light-skinned girls in Hollywood these days. Like she had a lot of she had um she's had a lot of really good parts and she she's really nailed them in recent years so she's definitely like an it girl it was so weird to see her like in this and she's just okay um and here's the thing i think she she had to be just okay and that that's okay a lot of the lead roles that i've seen her in she's played for lack of a better term because my my head's not on correctly yet it's still early in the day for me She's played very troubled characters, very emotionally troubled characters. And like, and this was the first time I'd seen her play an emotionally stable, fairly well-adjusted, happy person ever. You know, she's not trying to like throw herself off a building beyond the lights. She's not the biracial woman being raised by her all white slave supporting family. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so maybe she just gets to chill now she just gets to be loved <laughs> up on and you know what this is something we talk about all the I, well i talk about it fairly often online for better or for worse having mental health issues or being troubled being in an unsupportive or toxic environment is going to give you uh, layers of complexity that heroes are hard to play like Genuinely good people are hard to play because you really have to summon, like, a lot of charisma. I think that's why Gina Rodriguez is so painful because Jane, in the hands of a lesser actress, could have been, really easily could have been, like, everybody could have hated Jane. Like, you know what I mean? From Jane Yeah, that's true. I would have liked to see the show on a second season when it got its legs, you know, when it really got its land legs. But, um... This season was cute. They were saving lives, taking names, learning about each other, which is interesting because they've already been married for five years. So I like that that take as well, that they're they're still learning new things about each other. And this is it's almost as if they are meeting for the first time or if they're in their da- the dating stage all over again, which I thought was really cute. And right. they're just like international crime fighters. I really, really like the work that they did regarding accents. Like when they were in Spain, Google Spanish accent is really, really great because anyone who knows anything about Spanish understands that people from Spain speak uh, Spanish with um, something of a mild lisp. Mm-hmm. And she got the lisp down perfect. Uh, Boris Kojo is already fluent in German, so that don't count. 
Boris Kojo's <laughs> Irish accent, though, was really tragic and hard to listen to. <laughs> so hard! I was like, baby, no! Oh, stop this! Make it stop! Literally the first and only time I've ever cringed watching that man. But for the most part, I think the show's really, really good. Um, it, 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 it goes into, like, a very patriotic, like, are you down for your country territory? Because it's a CIA. They are spies, they are operatives, they are soldiers, they are doing this to serve their country, which Carlton Shaw always reminds them. But y'all, Shaw has a hidden agenda. He has an ulterior motive, Leo, or any of the other missions. Right, Shaw is low-key an op. Let's, let's talk about it. So, they believe that Samantha's mentor is a liability, that he has turned He's gone AWOL. No one can find him. And so they've pretty much taken the Shahs out of retirement in the hopes that when she's back in the field with her husband, who's also a top agent, she can be the one to lure him out of hiding. And I would have liked to see where this went, honestly. Like, like the pilot wasn't giving me what it needed to give me, but the season finale gave me what it was supposed to give me. <laughs> like, right? That season right? finale is really good. I was like, oh, why isn't there a second season? And shows that go out like this, especially when they've only had one or two seasons, I'm always here for a reboot. Always. Right. I definitely think Undercovers is one of the... Sh- like, I know we don't do reboot reboots too hard here, but for me, it's one of the ones that I think is ripe for one, definitively. And I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it have another chance to to thrive, uh, particularly with some as like they've thought about it and thought about like what worked and what didn't, and and get it going. Or even just like if they, I know Gugu like you know has you know her price is much much higher these days. So even if you wanted to just redo a, a show like it, um, but kind of go, but I and kind of go just for something like it. I love the. Mm-hmm. I love, like, that easy, breezy, like, spy style. There's a big part of it that also reminded me of, like, the catch. So um, I definitely think that's, that's, I would love it. I'd be so into it. Yeah, I mess with that. I think it would be really, really cute. So if you could recast Steven and Samantha Bloom for a reboot, who would you cast? Oh, that is such a good question. You know... I would love to see, although this person's star is very much rising as well, but um, for Sam, I'd really love Tiona Paris or um, Ashley Blaine Featherson. I think both of them would really kill because I think they both have that like really, I think they're both like crazy hot and like naturally sexy, um, but they're also good at like they have like a lot of like charisma and they could also be good at being like good people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um first that's for samantha for i'm not up on the boys so much i feel like the boys the boys aren't really giving at least the mid-level boys aren't really giving like they used to okay so for for samantha i'm also gonna go with ashley bain featherson um, I think she's a great actress. Really, really, really great actress. Um, if not her, um, Kiki Lane. Oh, I think okay. she would also be really, really great for that. Um, 
I, I just think she's a, a really, really cute uh, actress. Pretty and very versatile. I've only seen her in a few things. She should get cast more. Um, let's see. For the men, the men, the men. I would probably go with Steven Sanders, who was also Kiki Lane's counterpart in If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, oh, I think he's a great actor. And if not him, Jonathan Majors. Wow. Jonathan Majors. That's an interesting pick. I've never seen, and this is a thing, I have never seen a spy, a male spy who didn't fit Eurocentric beauty standards in some way. But, so I would like to see him, but also he has a sort of magnetism that's giving me a lot of James Bond energy. No, I I mean, I, I totally agree with that. He does have a very magnetic aura about him that is very that I think it's very like spy conducive you know I know he like thinks he's good too good for I don't I don't want to say that he doesn't think he's too good for tv but what's his face from Bridgerton could probably do a good job yeah he could probably be a really good spot I'm not gonna lie and actually I would like to see him and Kiki Lane as a couple because I just saw them in my head and they look cute together like let's be honest he looks good with everybody (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah i could see him with ashley as well i could see him with tiana as well like let's just do this let's make it happen um yeah he he is not coming back for bridgerton season two so i know his schedule wide open (laughs) it's wide open he yeah he's very much against He's not against Bridgerton season two. He's just he, not there's no back. way he's a Taurus because I would not have said no to that bag. There you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made Undercovers good, bad, basic, and very sexy. If you'd like to check out the series, Undercovers is currently streaming on Tubi for free. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. If you're a patron on our Patreon, be sure to check out our Undercovers playlist. Tune in next week as we keep this season going with a discussion on NBC's comedy spy drama, Chuck. Chuck is currently streaming on Apple TV. Get into this series because you don't want to miss out on our conversation. The Good, The Bad, The Basic is currently streaming on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to tune into our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Be sure to follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where our weekly episodes debut. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.